Before I get started, I, I am compelled by the Lord um, to say something this morning that I cannot apologize for, because when God puts something on our hearts, we must speak it. And I want you to know the place that I am coming from is a place of love, and a place that Pastor Barry and I had to go to this week with the community in our city that mourned the loss of two young children and a mother. We mourned with the community that watched as somebody suffered in silence, embarrassed and afraid to speak up about the depression that they were suffering with. And I want to say this to you this morning, and I will not apologize for it, that if there is something going on in your life, whether it's depression, whether it's some other type of need that you have, there are people who love you. There are people who care for you and who want to talk with you. There is no need for you to suffer alone and in silence. And I want to be very clear that this is a separate moment than when, when we're going to preach here in a moment. But I feel compelled by the grief that I felt with this community this week to say to you, there are people that love you. There is help available and what you are experiencing is very real. Seek help. Seek conversations because you have a God in heaven that absolutely loves you. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you. And Lord, as we have seen sin in its perfection take hold of the Pittsburgh area this week, whether through a 10-year-old girl being chased down in her home, or the tragic events that happened in McCandless Township this week, we pray for your mercy and we pray for your wisdom. And we pray for your protection, God. Because clearly the enemy is on the prowl and he is alive and he is well in his mind. And so God, we pray for your mercy and we pray for your grace and we pray for your deliverance from the tempter. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we've been studying in our series, we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer. And last week we heard about forgiveness. We talked about how important it is for us to forgive one another and to be gracious and merciful with one another because we too have been forgiven. In Jesus' words in Matthew 6, he says this, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And immediately following this, he says the words, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the second time now that Christ is pointing us to the fact that sin is for real. And he even goes a step further in this moment to point us to the fact that there is a tempter who is out there. And so we've got a very complicated passage of scripture to handle this morning. In fact, we could, Pastor John and I were speaking this week regarding this, we could probably do a six-week series alone just on this. So there may be things that we don't cover this morning, and I'm going to say we, we're, there's just going to be things we're not going to cover this morning. But where I want us to focus this morning is on the fact that there is a tempter, that sin is a real thing. But we, through Christ, upon his death and resurrection on the cross, can be victorious through him. When we look at this passage of Scripture, we see Jesus telling us, 
to not lead us into temptation, for us to pray to God to not lead us into temptation. Now, if you're like me, when you read that statement, the next question out of your mouth might be, well, if I'm praying to God to not lead me into temptation, does that therefore mean God does lead me into temptation? Anybody ever had that question before? In fact, it's amazing because we've got our James verse that we read where it says God will not tempt us. As I engage some of the young minds that want to tell me the Bible contradicts itself, this is often one of the places that it will go to. But if you simply read it at surface level and not for what it's actually saying, you will miss the point of what Jesus is saying. Because you see in the original Greek language in Matthew 6.13, where it says, lead us not into temptation, the word that is used in the Greek language for temptation is the word parosmos. And what this word literally means, if we had the titles of the Bible written out in the Greek, you would actually see it talking about the parosmos of Jesus. The trial of Jesus. Late in Matthew 4 earlier. So when Jesus is telling us to pray for for God to not lead us into temptation, what he's actually saying to us is for us to pray to God, not that God is the tempter, because he says the next sentence over that Satan is the tempter. But what he's telling us is for us to pray to God to lead us around trials and tribulations in our lives. I think we can very easily see that when we look at this scripture. John Calvin makes the great point that when we waste time debating what Christ meant here, we're simply wasting time. Because it's very evident that God would not contradict himself, and it's very evident that what Jesus is saying here is that we are to ask God to help us in moments when we're faced with trials. You think of the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus was going to pray before his father, He asked his father, take this cup from me. Jesus was going through a trial and was handing it to his father. And he said, your will be done. It is right for us as believers, and it is okay for us as believers to say to God, Lord Jesus, please don't make me like Job. (laughs) It is okay for us to say, God, lead me away from daily struggles. Lead me away from the things that cause me to sin. Because there is a difference between temptation and a difference in sin. See, temptation is kind of the doorway that's there. And Satan is the tempter. I want to encourage us. God does not tempt us. We're going to look at some scripture in a moment that, that tells us that. But God does not tempt us. Satan tempts us. And what Satan does is Satan leads us to this door, and I want to challenge you with something this morning. Who is it that causes you to sin? Who is it that causes you to sin? Did Satan put the apple in Eve's hand? Or did he, like her little buddy, just come along and say, hey, that apple looks pretty good, doesn't it? This is where Satan is really messed up. Because in our minds, we believe that Satan causes us to sin. But the reality of the matter is, our human nature, you cause yourself to sin. Because you submit 
to the lies of the devil. Because Satan is the great tempter. We live in a day and age where we have taken the grotesque figure of Satan and sin and we have watered it down into something that he loves. C.S. Lewis says that when Satan has convinced us that he no longer exists, he is coming to his ultimate perfection. Satan is real, folks. Hell is real. Sin is real. Sin is forgiven at a very, very great cost. It is not something light. It is not something we should just take lightly. As Pastor John and I were studying for our sermons this week, we were reminded of a story about a man who had found a a boa constrictor. It was was a little itty bitty teeny boa constrictor. And he found this snake, and here he was, he was a working man, he was just getting by on his job, and he found this snake, and he began to foster this snake. He took it in, he put it in an aquarium, in, in a terrarium, I guess it would be, and he loved this snake, and he took care of this snake, and as, the, as he fed the snake, and as he nourished the snake, the snake got bigger, it got bigger, and it got bigger. This man would let this snake crawl all over him, and, and it, was, it was like they became friends. They had this, this relationship where the snake was no longer in a cage. It dwelled in his house. It lived where he was at. It lived with him. And eventually what happens is that this man became so comfortable with the snake, he began to perform tricks with the snake for his friends. He would allow the snake to crawl all over him. And the snake, obedient and in love because it's a snake and it loves its master and the master loves the snake and, and, and it's just this beautiful relationship and they would perform and people would be amazed. One day the man developed the idea that, hey, maybe I can make money doing this, just as we've seen those alligator wranglers on the Discovery Channel. This man began to perform with his snake. And it actually was so well, the relationship was so good, that this man quit his job because now he could make a living off of the relationship he had with his snake. Until one day when he was performing, as he had done thousands of times, he allowed the giant seven-foot boa constrictor at this time, or whatever kind of snake it was, to coil around his body. And as he was giving his speech about how the snake loved him and how the snake cared for him, With one flex of its muscles, it crushed him to death. And I want to tell you this, church. When we look at sin as this itty little bitty snake, this itty little bitty thing, before we know it, it has developed into something that we think loves us, but really has a nature to it. That snake's nature was to kill. It always was to kill. Just as sin's nature is always to kill. Satan's nature is always to kill you. And when we have this mindset that this little itty-bitty thing that we're involved in, this habitual sin or this thing that we're, we're caught up in, when we have this mindset that it's going to be okay, that it's going to be all right, that, that God will be all good with that, one day that sin, that thing, it will crush you. It will kill you. It will take your life from you. Sin is a very serious offense to God. Satan is really out there. He prowls like a lion, seeking on whom he may devour. We're foolish if we forget 
about the tempter. Because remember, it's not the temptation, but it's the submission to temptation that's a sin. Some of you may be debating that in your heads right now with me. Well, I want to invite you to turn to Matthew 4. Upon being baptized, Jesus Christ himself was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit did not lead him to be tempted. It led him to a place where he was to be put on trial. And this was important because, you see, God sent Christ as fully God and fully man, and we're about to see a divine Christ and a human Christ. Because in Matthew 4, it talks about how Jesus spent 40 days and 40 nights fasting without food. As fully God, he's able to do so. But as fully man, he is fully hungry. Imagine what it would be like to not eat for 40 days. And then the word of God tells us this. If you have your Bibles, this is Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. We oftentimes have this image of of Satan coming down, holding a gun to Jesus' head, saying, Make the bread. That's in fact not what he did. He, hey, Jesus, you look hungry. Why don't you turn these stones into bread? It'll be okay. God won't be upset. Surely you haven't eaten for 40 days. You've been so committed to God for 40 days. Come on, man. He's not going to get mad over some stones to bread. That's the way the tempter works. And Jesus says this, quoting Deuteronomy 8.3. Jesus quotes scripture at him. He says, as it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God tells the devil that his sustenance comes from God. So the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will commend his angels concerning you and they will lift uh, lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. So Satan kind of mocking Jesus at this point says, okay, you're the son of God. Then, Then he quotes scripture. At Jesus. A manipulation of the scriptures. Isn't it amazing that even the demons know who Jesus is? They probably know the word of God better than we do. And they will use it to manipulate us. That's why Paul talks about being Bereans in the word. Making sure that everything that is taught and preached is true. You will never offend me by questioning what I'm saying. Do you hear me? Because it's about the truth of the word of God, not the truth of any one man. So Satan manipulates, tries to manipulate Jesus. And Jesus answers him. As he answered from Deuteronomy 6, 16, he says, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. So again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdom of the world and their splendor. And I don't understand why Satan is doing this because Satan is offering Jesus something that is already his in this moment. But isn't it funny the way that the tempter can trick us into thinking things about reality that aren't even true? All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, 
Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only, as he quoted Deuteronomy 6.3. There's three amazing things that Jesus did right there when he was put on trial, when he was tempted by the tempter. Remember, Jesus never sinned, but he was tempted in these moments. Having temptation in your life is not the sin. What you do with that temptation is the sin. Jesus said to the devil, Scripture. His first line of defense was Scripture. When he felt tempted, when he felt under attack, Jesus went to the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you right now, brothers and sisters, when you are coming under attack, and I'm not speci- I want to talk specifically about sin this morning. I, there's all kinds of other areas, whether it's our health or other areas in our life where we experience trials. I'm not talking about those kind of trials. I'm talking about the temptation to manipulate somebody, the temptation to sin, the temptation to cheat, the temptation to sin specifically. When you are faced with a temptation to do something counter to God, because God is light and sin is darkness, Satan is darkness, if you are not doing the things of God, you are working for the enemy. And when you are tempted by the tempter to do the things for the enemy, begin to quote scripture. It worked for Jesus. And if the Son of God is using it as a weapon, I'm saying it's safe for us too. And I even want to encourage you this way. Sometimes we get in situations and we may not know word for word in the, in, in the English Standard Version of how a verse goes. Begin to speak what you know of that verse. And God will minister to your heart and he will give you strength. Quote Scripture. The second thing that we encounter with this situation is Jesus doesn't test God. He doesn't say, oh, well, all right, well, God, if you really love me, you'll send a million birds to sing songs right now. He doesn't test God. He has faith in what he has already heard from God. And so just as God has told us to trust him, that he will provide a way for us, I want to encourage you, as you are faced with temptation in your life, trust that God will never give you more than you can handle. It says this in James 1, 12 through 18. It says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life, that the Lord has promised to those who loved him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. See, God does not tempt us. God does not give us more than we can handle, as it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Did you catch that last part? See, Jesus quoted scripture. He knew not to test God because God told him, I will prepare a way out for you. When God finds us in moments of trial, in moments of tribulation, he provides us a way out. 
He provides us the strength. He provides us through the death and resurrection of Jesus to be able to look at our temptation and say what Jesus said in the third part of this. He says, be gone, Satan. Go and get. And I want to tell you as Christians, we do not exercise this enough. There is power in the name of Jesus. Satan's power holds nothing in comparison to the name of Jesus. And if you are coming under temptation, cling to Scripture, cling to the relationship with God, and do not put him to the test. But for the love of everything sacred and holy, plead the name of Jesus. Say the name of Jesus. Because when we speak the name of Jesus, it is so mighty and it is so powerful that Satan has to flee. So if you do those things and you find yourself giving into your temptation, it is you. It is your sinfulness. It is your evilness. But if you cry out to God, He will give you the strength to endure. He will reveal to you the way out that He has already laid before you. Because as we saw in 1 Corinthians, He does not give us more than we can handle. We have victory through Jesus Christ. So when He teaches us to pray, to be led around our trials, and to be delivered from the evil one, He's telling us to be dependent and reliant on God. He's telling us that we need to cry out to the Father, just as He does. And so my prayer for you, church, as you were tempted, are you relying on God to get you through those moments? Are you making the right choices? Matthew Henry says this in reference to this section of the Lord's Prayer. He says, Lead us not into temptation, Having prayed that the guilt of sin may be removed, we pray as it is fit that we may never return again to our folly, that we may not be tempted to it. When we pray the way that Jesus teaches us to pray, we're praying for God to lead us around our temptations and for him to deliver us from those, not just for that moment, but so that we never again will return to them. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. And we pray, God, as you work in our lives, we pray that you will defeat the tempter. We pray that you will not um, lead us into moments of trial and tribulation, but God, when we are there, we should consider it joy because you are developing perseverance and strength in us. We thank you, God, that you always provide us hope and a way out. And we pray, God, that you would continue to reveal to us that way through Jesus. We pray, God, that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would fill us with your love. And as we come to this, your table now in this moment, God, we pray that you would minister to our hearts. We pray that you would take any temptations or sin that we may have in us right now, God, and work with them and deal with them. We give you this morning, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.